Well, g'day and welcome to the online ministry for St. Augustine's Anglican Church in Inverell. My name's Matt. It's great that you're watching with us today. Uh, this ministry has been prepared for the 4th of June, 2023. As we begin, hear these words of scripture from Ephesians chapter 2. Christ Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we have access in the one spirit to the Father. Well, on the basis of that great gospel truth, let's go to a time of praise. be 
Well, as we come to the ministry of God's Word, let me pray our collect prayer for the day. Heavenly Father, you send your Word to bring us truth and your Spirit to make us holy. Through them we come to know the mystery of your life. Help us to worship you, one God in three persons, by proclaiming and living our faith in you through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, our Bible readings today begin in Matthew's Gospel at the very end, chapter 28, verses 16 through to 20. Our psalm today is Psalm 119, not the whole thing we'd please to hear, but verses 1 to 8. And our other passage is Ephesians 4, verses 11 through to 24. And so do pause the video now, take a moment to read those Bible passages through, and then we'll come to think about them more generally together as we look at our number four core value as a church. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bless our time in your word, that we would be growing as disciples of Jesus for your glory. Amen. Well, this is talk five in our Purpose and Values series. And if you've been following along so far, hopefully by now you'll know what our purpose statement is as a church here at St. Augustine's. Uh, after all, it hasn't changed. It's been the same for 14 years. Uh, what is our purpose statement as a church? It's to be growing in Christ. Now, over the last three weeks, we've been looking at our core values that, are, that align with our purpose statement. Uh, what are our core values we've covered? Well, number one, biblical teaching. Number two is prayer. And number three, our proposed, proposed number three, was godly service. And sure, uh, we need those three things as we, uh, as we think about growing in Christ, but yet we haven't really gone into too much, de too much detail about what that growing in Christ actually looks like. Now, a few weeks ago, as we looked at our purpose statement, Adam did say that there are two sides to growing in Christ. On the one hand, growing means multiplying. It means increasing in number. And that happens as people are welcomed into our church family. It happens as people give their lives to Jesus in the first instance. Right? And we're going to focus especially on that next week. Right? But that's not the only part of growing. Growing also happens spiritually. It's about growing in our relationship with Jesus. And so a proposed core value number four then is discipleship. Now, it's essentially the same thing as our old core value number three, but you'll notice a change in language here. Right? Previously, our core value was spiritual growth. But the language we want to move to is that of discipleship. Now, some of you might like the change, some of you might not like the change, and that's all right, but it's a deliberate change for a number of reasons. Now, for a lot of people, to talk about spiritual growth, it's a bit of a, can be a bit of a vague, perhaps fluffy term. Uh, it sounds right, but what we're really talking about when we say spiritual growth 
is people growing as disciples of Jesus. And so we might as well be clear and direct about that. Also, uh, to talk about spiritual growth, can also feel a bit like a, a bit of a me-focused kind of thing. But to talk about discipleship is to help us see the reality that it's actually a Jesus-focused thing. What's more, I think the language of discipleship is thoroughly biblical, and it's a language that Jesus actually gives us. Uh, so come with me to the last few verses of Matthew 28, and I'll show you. Uh, these are Jesus' last recorded words in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, chapter 28, verses 18 and 19. Jesus came to them, that's his 11 disciples, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. All right? Jesus doesn't say, go and make spiritual people. He says, go and make disciples. When someone gives their life to Jesus, they are giving their life to be his disciple. And so the question for us then is, what is a disciple? Have a think about it for three seconds. What's a disciple? Well, there are all sorts of ideas about what a disciple might be, and therefore different ideas about what discipleship is. But for us... We need to consider what discipleship meant in the original context in the first century when Jesus was speaking. Now, a basic definition of discipleship is simply someone who is a learner to a teacher. But Jesus wasn't the only person to have uh, disciples. It was common in that period. Uh, John the Baptist had disciples. The Pharisees had disciples. Guys like uh, Aristotle and Pythagoras, Socrates, they had disciples as well. Listen to what Jesus says. Luke chapter 6 verse 40. He says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Right? The idea of being a disciple, it's about learning. But it's more than about learning simply knowledge. It's about learning a whole way of life. We might say that being a disciple, it's about transformative learning. Right? Their aim was to be like their teacher and walk in their ways. Now, coming back to Matthew 28, uh, in verse 19, Jesus starts by saying, go and make disciples. Now, he could have left it at that, but he doesn't. He fleshes it out. He spells out what being his disciple actually means. All right, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And verse 20, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Right, I think there are two key parts of being a disciple here. The first is baptism. Now, baptism is far more uh, than simply being dipped in water as an initiation into a relationship with Jesus. Right, It is that, but it's also deeply symbolic of a new life with Jesus. When a, when a, uh, a believer is baptized, it's, it's a sign of repentance. It's a way of someone saying, I'm washing away the old and starting afresh. I'm saying I'm turning away from my, from my former life of rebellion against God, of, of self-centered sinfulness, and I'm giving my life to him. And this is a deeply important aspect of discipleship because we are not simply blank slates that need to be filled with knowledge. No, to become a learner of Jesus requires a radical unlearning of our former rebellious, me-centered lifestyle. All right, that's the first key part in being a disciple. 
Well, the second part of being a disciple of Jesus, we see in verse 20. Uh, and he says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Right? A disciple of Jesus is not someone who is simply taught the commands of Jesus, but taught to obey them. Right? This is a life characterized by obedience. If Jesus is Lord and Savior, then it's worth submitting to his authority as the one who not only made us, but also knows what is best for us and whose ways are good. So what is it then to be a disciple of Jesus? Let me put it really simply. A disciple of Jesus is a forgiven sinner who is learning Christ as they live in repentance and obedience. I'll say it again. A disciple of Jesus is a forgiven sinner who is learning Christ in repentance and obedience. It's that simple. But you'll notice that the proposed wording for our uh, our, our core value isn't we value being a disciple. It's we value discipleship. Right? And so what does that imply? It implies it's an ongoing process. And in this sense, the learning aspect of being a disciple can't be thought of as simply one stage in the Christian life. It's simply a way to describe the entirety of it. Right? Discipleship is an ongoing transformative process in which we are becoming more and more like the one we are learning. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 3, now Paul says it this way. He says, For us who have turned to Jesus, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord. Right, The goal of discipleship is to become more and more like Jesus. Now, keeping in mind, though, that this side of heaven, uh, you're never done. You'll never finish being a learner of Jesus. And that's why Paul writes what he does uh, in the second half of Ephesians chapter 4. And so I invite you to turn there now. Ephesians 4, uh, because in verses 17 to 19 there, Paul highlights uh, a whole way of living without God at the center of it. And he says to these group of Christians at Ephesus, you used to be like that, but don't live that way anymore. Then chapter 4 verse 20, he says, that is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitudes of your minds, verse 24, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Right, Living with Jesus as Lord means a continual striving to put off the old self and to put on the new self. Now, do you see those two sides of discipleship that, that I again highlighted back in Matthew 28? Repentance and obedience. Putting off the old, putting on the new. Right? If we were not all works in progress, he would not have to say this. But we are. We still have sin in our lives. And we need to keep confessing that to God, asking him to help us turn away from that and to live for Jesus. Now, I just need to pause here for a moment and say that this putting off the old, putting on the new, this is not the condition for our salvation. This is not the way that we get right with God. Now, this part of Ephesians comes in the second half of the, the whole letter, where Paul is now talking to Christians about, uh, what, about how we can live in response to being saved by faith. That is, we're not saved by works, or we're not saved by living a particular way. Now, he makes that point in chapter 2, 1 to 10. We are saved only by trusting in Jesus' death in our place. 
But then, having been saved, Christians are now called to live our lives in a way that glorifies and honours him in true praise and worship. And so the goal of discipleship then, it's maturity in Christ. All right, we're in Ephesians 4 still. Have a look back now to verses 11 to 13. Verse 11, uh, Paul, well, he basically says that Christ has given these word gift leaders in the church, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Right, And he says a similar thing in Colossians 1. He says, verses 28 and 29, He is the one we, pro- we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Can you see that? Can you see that the thing we should be striving for if you are a Christian is to grow more and more like Jesus. Well, in the next few verses in Ephesians 4, after what we just read, he then contrasts this maturity with the immature Christians, or baby Christians, if you will, who aren't growing. And as a result, they don't have a firm foundation for their faith and for their knowledge of God, or for their living for Him. Now, the implication for us here is that we need to realize to be a disciple of Jesus means that we are continually learning Jesus, continually growing in him, putting off the old sinful way of life and seeking to live in his love in a way that reflects that towards God and towards others. So how then does discipleship happen? Well, since we're still in Ephesians 4, let's remain here a bit longer. All right, have a look again at verses 11 and 12. I wonder as you look at those verses, Can you see two of our other core values here? I want to suggest that in verse 11, we see our first core value. And then in verse 12, we see our third core value. Right? Verse 11. So Christ himself gave apostles and prophets and evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Right? There's biblical teaching. Verse 12. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. There's godly service. So how then are we discipled so that we're maturing in Christ? Well, I think the answer is it has two parts. Firstly, discipleship happens as we are deep in the word of God together. Secondly, it happens as we live out and speak the gospel to one another in community. Deep in the word of God, speaking the gospel in community. Verse 11, right? Discipleship happens as Christians hear the word of God being taught by word gift people. But you notice the outcome of sitting under biblical teaching. Verse 12, you are being equipped to serve and build others up. Right? And as you read that, I don't want you to just think about serving on a roster or serving in teams. No, those things are essential for living out the gospel with one another. But this deep in the word equipping also prepares you to speak the gospel to one another in community. Right? Look at verses 15 and 16. Jump forward a bit. Instead of being immature Christians, he says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together 
by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Right, discipleship doesn't just happen from the front of church. Biblically, it happens as all Christians speak and apply the gospel to one another. Right, can you see how crucial community is in this? We all have a part to play in each other's discipleship. Or in other words, our growth in Christ happens with each other and through the gift of each other. And this should all obviously be happening in prayerful dependence on the Spirit, which is our number two core value. And so, what does this all mean for us then? I want to stop now and give some, some time to thinking about some tangible implications for us as a church and hopefully of what it means for us to be part of our Christian community. The first of which is that discipleship means never outgrowing the gospel. Right? The gospel is how we come to faith in the first place. It's only as Jesus' death for us continues to captivate our hearts as well that we can then live transformed lives because of him. The thing that It's the thing that motivates us, the thing that encourages us. Being constantly reminded that Jesus died instead of us. That's God's love in Jesus. And so if you ever start to wonder why Adam and I, why we keep banging or why we keep getting, we keep pulling things back to the gospel every week, well, we'll never apologize for that. Because the gospel is the true basis for how disciples are transformed. And the second thing, we dearly long for you to grow as disciples of Jesus. Now, as a staff team, our aim is to be giving time to be thinking about uh, how each of our, our church members can be growing as disciples. Right? If you're new here, we want to be thinking about how you can be uh, established in our church family. If you're a new Christian, we want to be thinking about how, how, what you need for follow-up, how you can be established in your faith. How you can be encouraged to, to think through God's word and its implications for your life. Right, we're thinking about what it might look like for you to, to take the next step in, in uh, growing in your abilities to serve. Or in being equipped for outreach, to reach the lost for Jesus. Or equipped to disciple others. We're thinking about what's the next step for you. Right, our aim is to think deliberately about each one of you. Because we want you to be deep in God's word. We want you to be loving God. We want you to be in community. We want you to be serving one another. And we want you to be on mission for Jesus. Now, the next thing is that church services are just the very start of discipleship. Yes, discipleship happens as, as we work hard to, to help you wrestle with God's word this time every week. But discipleship is more than that. So much more. It's an every sphere of life kind of thing. And even on Sundays, that means that it's not just what you hear from the front, but it's what ha what's hopefully happening uh, before the service as well as people are, are talking to one another. And what happens after the service is also outside and around the morning tea tables. Right, it's fantastic to see so many of our, after our family service, so many people who are still hanging around for a long time after. Even towards midday, people are still leaving. And it's so encouraging seeing people praying with one another. It's encouraging to hear little snippets of conversations where there's little moments of discipleship happening there. Now, I've talked about how uh, discipleship happens as we are deep in God's word together. And for us, as a church, uh, this is why we are also so keen for when people join our church to get connected in with the Bible study group. 
right? This is one of the key places where this kind of gospel speech to one another is happening in community. And so I want to say that if, you, if you're one of our church, uh, get connected. If you want to be a part of a Bible study group, reach out, let us know. Uh, I'd love to connect you in uh, to, a, to a Bible study group leader. And can I also say that it's not just Bible study groups as the kind of the smaller group. Some of the best discipling happens as individuals meet up one-to-one to read the Bible together. Now, I've said it before that when I was a, young, a younger guy, uh, right, uh, one of the things that helped me take leaps and bounds in my, in my growing Christian faith was meeting up regularly with a guy called Dave. Right, we'd meet for half an hour uh, one morning every week before work and we'd spend a bit of time reading a few verses of the Bible together. We'd, we'd think about what it meant. We think about what are the implications for us that day, that week, as we kept trying to live for Jesus. And I can't tell you how much I learned from him, uh, not just in word either, but as he welcomed me into his life, as he encouraged me, as I was able to see him live out the gospel day to day. Right? And Titus 2 says that this should be happening between older godly women and younger women also. Right? But... It shouldn't just be older and younger or, or more mature Christian and new Christian. No, it can be it can be anyone. Right? Proverbs 17, sorry, Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so I want to ask you, who is someone that you could be discipling? Who is someone that you could be learning and growing in Christ with? It might be the case for you that. You work out, hey, I'm free at one o'clock every Wednesday lunchtime and this other person at church is free one o'clock every Wednesday lunchtime. And hey, I might say, hey, hey, Sam, hey, Sarah, uh, would you like to for 15 minutes in that lunchtime sit down and read a few verses of the Bible with me? I can't think of a greater use of your time one day a week or one day a fortnight to do that. Uh, Now, if you didn't know, uh, our church has a pastoral care work group, aka a discipleship work group. And this kind of one-to-one discipling each other is what they would really want to encourage us to be doing. What a wonderful way that we can be growing in Christ together. And as we're thinking about discipleship being in every sphere of life sort of thing, all of this should obviously be grounded on our own personal discipleship of ourselves as we are prayerfully in God's word through the week. Though, it's not just through the Bible that we can be making sure that we are being discipled well. Uh, We are blessed to have in our hands so many other forms of people speaking the gospel shape into our lives. I try and make a habit of always being reading at least one good Christian book that's going to help me grow as a follower of Jesus on top of anything else I'm already reading. I've just finished listening through Nick Tucker's book, 12 Things God Can't Do. And it's been a wonderful reminder of how great our God is. It's been a really helpful and accompanying thing for me to stop and reflect on. And this is why every, every few months or every month or so as a church, we put out book reviews and we buy a handful of copies. It's for your benefit. And so perhaps a question for you then is, what are you reading to help you actively grow as a disciple of Jesus? Well, the answer might be, well, nothing at the moment, so I need to go out and get something. That's a great idea. A great idea. But one final thing. We shouldn't also forget that biblically, 
discipleship is pictured as happening primarily in homes. And I'm not just talking about small groups at this point. Now this time, I'm talking about family discipleship. Right? Even in Israel's earliest days, you look at Deuteronomy 6, the primary teaching of God's word was, was expected to happen in households, in the context of the family. Right? The primary responsibility for the discipleship of children belonged to the parents. And so for us, while we have some great kids and youth programs at church, uh, these shouldn't be things thought of as doing the job for us. Likewise, within our households, our husbands and wives are also able to disciple one another. Now, especially if you look at Ephesians chapter 5, husbands are called to love their wives like Christ loved the church. And one of the implications being that he deeply cares about and is actively discipling her and actively helping her grow in her holiness. Now, at this point, I was much preaching to myself as I am to anyone else. But can you see how discipleship is an every sphere of life kind of thing? Can you see how there are so many opportunities for you to be discipled and for you to be discipling others in our church community as we are deep in the word together? And can you see how the language of discipleship as a core value forces us to focus our eyes not on ourselves, but on Jesus, the risen Lord who gave his life for us and the one who calls us to follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. You haven't left us alone in the dark, but you've called us home into the kingdom of your son. Father, thank you that you call us to be disciples of him, that we can be learning him. Father, may that be true in our lives. May it be true in our communities as churches. Father, I pray that you would grow each one of us, that you would help us to be good learners of Jesus, not only in word, not only in knowledge, but also in action in our life. Father, transform us more and more to be like your risen son, that we may reflect his goodness and holiness that we would be putting off sin and the deeds of darkness. Lord, grow us to be people worthy of being in your presence. Thank you that you have sent your son to die for us. God, we pray all this so that we would be growing, so that you would be glorified. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's go to another time of praise. good it's ever faithful worth more than gold the heart's delight your word gives life to all who hear and obey your word endures forever your word is true it never changes it formed the earth, sustains it still. Your word defends, providing refuge and strength. Your word endures forever. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your word is a light unto my path. 
to a time of prayer and so I invite you in a moment to pause the video uh, there are so many things that we can be giving thanks for also so many things that we can be praying for and uh, people we can be praying for and so I invite you to pause the video take this moment to do that as we commit all things to our loving God and Father who hears us Thank you. 
As we finish, let me encourage you with the words of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, may that be true for you as you keep following Jesus. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.